Welcome to Focus on Impact, the VPA podcast where the most renowned experts share their views on the main topics and trends that define the impact sector. My name is Gianluca Gaggiotti and today we will put the focus on comparability with Maria Oliva. VPA has been showing for more than a decade how impact measurement and management is not just a compliance exercise, but a key driver of decision-making for those organizations that want to maximize their social and environmental impact. We recently launched our latest report, Navigating Impact Measurement and Management, and a series of articles on what we call IMM burning topics. After all our in-depth discussions about comparability and aggregation of impact performances with practitioners and experts, a clear challenge emerged. Balancing customized indicators, which reflect the context but are difficult to aggregate, and standardized indicators, which are easy to aggregate but less informative. And all of this without overburdening the underlying fund managers and investees. And the further away from the final impact generated, the more difficult it becomes. That's why we are so excited to be here today with Maria Oliva, who has a great experience in seeking this balance and will share her learnings with us today. Maria is the Impact and ESG Manager at Oryx Impact, a fund of funds mobilizing private capital towards Africa with a gender lens. Maria is responsible for the design, development, and implementation of Oryx Impact Measurement and Management and Technical Assistance Facility. Leveraging her background in development economics and management, Maria advises and empowers organizations to find their purpose, integrate sustainability at their core, and drive positive impact for people and planet. Maria, welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Gianluca and EVPA, for, for having us today. As I said before, funds of funds need to ensure some degree of comparability of impact performances among fund managers while maintaining the impact management component and without overburdening the fund managers and underlying investees with too many impact metrics. Maria, you're the impact and ESG manager of a fund of funds. That's your best position to help us navigate this problem, which seems impossible to solve. Let's start uh, by asking you, what is Oryx Impact and where does it operate? Sure. So as you well introduced, at Oryx Impact, our mission is to mobilize capital for impactful investments in Africa to promote resilient, sustainable and inclusive societies. We were funded with the purpose to reduce forced migration within and from Africa. And to achieve that, our strategy focuses on generating economic opportunities in the countries of origin, so that emigrating is a choice and not a last resort. So how are we planning to generate quality local economic opportunities? We are launching a 250 million fund of funds in US dollars to invest in funds with strong local presence in the continent and with an impact intentionality to generate positive outcomes in climate action, gender equity, and economic development. These are funds that invest in turn in small and medium companies, which are the backbone of the African economy. And this is vital to unlock quality job creation. While 90% of the jobs in the continent are provided by SMEs and this contribute to about 50% of GDP, the estimated SME financing gap is over 300 billion US dollars. So tackling this gap and mobilizing private capital requires innovative structures like ours, I would say. Our fund of funds seeks to increase exposure while reducing risk by diversification. So we have spoken with over 
250 fund managers investing in the continent, uh, many of them um, across uh, asset classes, so private equity, venture capital, and venture debt. We're also diversified in geographies. We invest uh, across the continent, focusing on North Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. And we're also diversified in, in sectors. We see a lot of activity in health, education, fintech, and uh, clean energy. So very impactful sectors for for the economic development of, of uh, many of, of these markets. Um, this highly diversified strategy in the end allows us to be very proactive in seeking and including smaller and emerging fund managers, very often uh, led by, by women who often face more barriers to capital. This is why gender lens, as you, as you said as well in the introduction, is key and fundamental to, to our strategy. So in the end, what, we want, what we're creating is a fund of fund structure that will enable investment in Africa at scale that would otherwise not take place. And this is key as an impact fund to be additional to, to the market. In terms of IMM, maybe a couple last points is that we want these investments to be allocated and deployed with a highly rigorous impact and gender lens strategy. This is why strategically we are guided by a theory of change and we implement it through a very comprehensive impact measurement and management methodology that goes all across the investment life cycle. And a last point, we're raising a six to eight million US dollar technical assistance facility to provide environmental, social and governance, impact measurement and management and gender lens investing, bespoke training and consultancy to fund managers so that they are on the one hand fully equipped to scale and deepen their underlying SMEs net positive impact and also so that they are more attractive to investors as regulatory and LP requires requirements in, in impact management become more and more complex. So this is us uh, in a in a nutshell. Thank you very much, Maria. And as you mentioned, impact measurement and management, let's uh, uh, share with the audience that for a funded fund, impact measurement and management should be done at three levels. So you have the impact that you have as a funded fund on the fund managers. Then there is the one, the impact of the fund managers on their underlying investees. And finally, the impact that the investees have on their intended beneficiaries. So how do you approach these, uh, these at Oryx Impact? Exactly. These are very much the three levels that, that we look at, and they are very much aligned with the three levels of contribution indicated by impact frontiers, right? So investor, enterprise, and stakeholder. And these, as you said, becomes a bit more complex uh, for a fund of funds. So let's start by level one, ourselves as a fund of funds. What we want to measure is the difference our capital and non-financial engagement make. So we want to measure First of all, the private capital mobilization of our investments, and this is measuring um, and being accountable to our mission and our purpose that I stated in, in the beginning. And we also want to measure the ESG, IMM, and GLI, TA, so technical assistance deployed. It is very complex, as you well know, to test counterfactuals or make causal statements at this level. But we plan to qualitatively assess this through surveys and a very close relationship with our investees. And these are insights that we are already gathering as potential investors tells us about um, or tell us about the catalytic role that a private investor like ourselves would have in bringing in others into their funds. So this is level one. Then we're going to the investee for ourselves as the fund managers, right? 
And here we want to measure the impact, and by impact I mean change, evolution, the difference that our TA will make on their ESG, IMM, and GLI, so gender lens investing practices. We want to ask ourselves and have uh, responses to questions such as, are the fund managers integrating impact into their investment decision-making more comprehensively? Are the investment committees becoming more diverse? Are we having more women in this investment decision-making across the portfolio? Are they developing GLI strategies, so more proactively including and targeting female entrepreneurs? And for that, what we have developed is a proprietary and digitalized, what we call a fund manager impact assessment that allows us to track performance from pre-investment based on data all the way to exit. And when I mean data, it's generating scoring systems on very qualitative variables in form of a maturity assessment. And this sounds a bit complex, and it's been complex to develop the, met- the methodology, but in the end, what will allow us is to really understand how this, how our portfolio of fund man- funds are um, developing, evolving, and getting up to date with best practices across ASC, IMM, and, and GLI. So this is level two. And then we go to level three, to the SME um, and beneficiary level. So what we want to aggregate across the fund is transversal indicators that we can aggregate in gender equality, climate action, and job creation. These are themes that we believe are material to most sectors, but we also want to leave some flexibility to the company-specific indicators to measure and monitor meaningful data for their um, specific and unique impact objectives for that company sometimes are also being able to aggregate it at the fund, um, investing fund level. So for example, financial inclusion is not our concrete impact goal, but it will be for many of the funds we invest in. So while we cannot aggregate financial inclusion data across the entire portfolio, we will leave the flexibility to set those specific indicators for some of the of the investees. And this is level level three. And with that, we complete <laughs> the entire value chain, let's say. Thank you very much, Maria. I think this already clarifies a lot about how you approach and also how complex it is uh, to approach these three levels, uh, but also explaining it in a simple way uh, is not easy, but I think it was uh, it was clear enough and, and I thank you for that because that's that's not easy uh, to to tackle. Uh, how I wanted to ask you as a follow-up question, how important is for you to compare the impact performances among the fund managers uh, you support in your portfolio and how does does it affect your decision making? So again, as a sector agnostic fund of funds, comparing impact before taking an investment decision is quite complex, right? So what I mean is that, um, as as you well know, it is very difficult to project outcome or even output data for an entire fund, especially if they are sector agnostic themselves or even if they have not started investing yet. It gets easier and easier the closer you are to the beneficiaries and the more specialized you are thematically or, or in terms of sector as a fund. So a direct investment, um, single country climate tech fund 
can project the potential reduction of emissions of each potential deal and factor those considerations in into the investment committee, right? So how do we approach this as a fund of funds that is sector agnostic? So our tool is this, what I just uh, mentioned, this fund manager impact assessment allows us to compare several dimensions across fund managers to inform our investment decision-making, but also to monitor post-investment. These dimensions are intentionality, additionality to the market and and geographies where they invest, integration into the investment process, standardized investing, and ESG risk management. So some of the funds we analyze have not started investing yet or have done so very recently. In this context, before we decide whether to invest, we do not have comprehensive impact data at the beneficiary level. However, we can assess whether the fund manager is truly intentional, whether it's truly additional, whether it has the tools to generate um, and scale impact in where it operates. And in the end, what we are evaluating truly is the coherence between the investment strategy and the impact strategy. Are they mutually enhancing? Is the fund manager capable of executing this impact strategy successfully? So instead of having projections on emissions, we have projections on the capacity, uh, let's call it, of the fund manager to create an impact. Does it have the right strategy, the right tools um, in place to get there? And I know this sounds very abstract, so intentionality additionally are not easy variables to, to evaluate, but that's why we spent a lot of time developing this assessment in order to ensure that, that we have that, that data um, at investment decision-making. And of course, if there are gaps in the existing IMM tools or processes or, or policies, that's what our TA is there for. So we will not reject a fund because it does not know how to screen for impact. We will reject it because of lack of intentionality to improve, to become more diverse, to manage ESG risks more carefully. So that's, uh, let's say, rejection is because of intentionality, not because of the lack of capacity, because we're very much aware that having all of this in place requires human resources, requires financial resources, and, and a, it's a long journey uh, and a complex one for, for all of us at, at all levels. Definitely. And as you mentioned, the collection of all these data on performances, how important is for you, for organizations like like yours that operate at your level, to either develop or purchase an online system which captures all the fund managers' impact performance uh, and and, and allow you to to, to compare them? Mm -hmm. For us, it's been uh, very important and very strategic from the very beginning. So we, we definitely believe that IMM should not be a burden or or reporting driven, but rather designed to inform decision making towards scaling and deepening impact. And having um, having a streamlined, efficient uh, process to collect the data, visualize it, and use it to inform uh, boards and to inform investment decisions. That's that's the key. So I mean, w- what we did is to analyze more than fifty potential IT providers and platforms, and we're currently piloting a platform with Proof, digitalizing our entire IMM across the life cycle. So what it it will enable us to do end to end monitoring from due diligence to exit, 
provide three-layered access and aggregation. So the three levels that we've uh, discussed before, fund of fund, fund, SME. Visualize, uh, visualize time series data against targets, which is really important even for um, not for stakeholder data, but also for the scoring system. So having action plans that drive you to, to improvement, visualizing the scores is also very important. And I mean, these are the, the, the parts that say that really inform strategic decisions. Then, of course, there's efficiency in streamlining dashboards for impact and ESG reporting to your different stakeholders. And then I would say there's a third objective for us is that um, we want to allow for assurance and the auditing of data and processes as well in a way that even if we start with internal audits to um, continue to look for improvement in the, in the quality of that data collected. And I think this will be a lot more straightforward with a platform um, where you can attach the evidence of the data that you are providing rather than going back and forth with data rooms and Excel spreadsheets and, and emails, right? Having worked in audit, in non-financial auditing myself, I know how um, incredibly consuming that is uh, for all departments involved. So being able to centralize and having live data on a digital platform, it, it was a sort of a, a no-brainer for us. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Maria. And you mentioned one of the reasons why you relied on those platforms is that it allows you to design it and, and not overburden and make it easier for your fund managers to report on impact. Are there like any other uh, strategy or ways in which you make sure that you're not overburdening your fund managers with impact reporting? And uh, do you advise your funds to do, to do the same with their investees? Mm -hmm. So I think even at due diligence, we have um, factored that into the design of our process. So this macro assessment of over 100 variables that I mentioned, it is us filling in the, the questionnaires for them. So what we do is to spend a lot of time analyzing their available documentation. Then we do an hour and a half, two-hour discussion with all the relevant partners and and people involved in ESG and, and IMM um, within the within the fund manager, and then we um, fill in the score, the, the assessment for them. Instead of sending them a really really long questionnaire, we take that in ourselves. So that's I think something that we we consider even pre investment not to be a pain and a burden for fund managers that are. Um, many times for emerging things as well, quite limited in terms of, of human resources and, and so on. And then I think in terms of, of reporting, first and, and foremost, we're guided by the principle of materiality. What we mean is that we will not push for emission measurements in like as a condition precedent to investment to an emerging tech-focused PC fund investing in a seed stage. That makes no sense in terms of how meaningful that data and material that data is at the beginning. Of course, we will um, we will support into getting there, into being able to to measure emissions, but we won't put the pressure, the unnecessary pressure on it when it's not material. So as I said, we have established transversal indicators that are material and informative for most sectors, but we have also established exceptions 
grace periods, and of course, the technical assistance for those fund managers that are getting started in their IMM journey. And then I think other, other angles are always using industry standards that help homogenize impact reporting from a methodology perspective, allowing us to all speak the same language in a way. And then digitalization, of which, as we just um, talked about, is also key. But I'd say materiality standards and digitalization would be or should be taking reporting to a more meaningful dimension in terms of how efficient and effectively they can inform strategic decision making and go beyond counting or reporting to, to LPs at the end of the year. And do you engage in any harmonization, reporting harmonization uh, with other LPs? Because that's that's one of uh, of the techniques that some pioneering LPs are taking is really to try to align on, on impact reporting requirements. Is it something you're already doing or trying to do? We do try uh, as much as possible. I mean, it, it always depends on the fundraising stage of the investee fund. If they have secured an anchor investor that has strong reporting requirements, we will adapt as much as possible to variables um, such as, I mean, it goes beyond which indicators to report, but also the format, the frequency, and so on. And we want to be as flexible as possible in in all of those um, variables, let's say. And in the end for us, uh, what we've seen so far is that it, it's a matter of facilitating open, honest conversations around expectations, capacity, feasibility. Our main goal is to be there to support, not, not to overburden. So we will compromise and encourage alignment as much as possible, again, without um, moving away from the materiality criteria. We will not compromise on climate reporting for emission-intensive sectors, for example. But I feel that, or we've seen that, when materiality is the principle that all LPs are focusing on, then the convergence between all parties is natural, let's say. Perfect. And uh, before before uh, asking you the last couple of questions and conclude uh, this episode, uh, you mentioned something very important before at the very, at the very beginning that I'd like to touch upon, which is you ensure that you aggregate certain impact metrics that allows you to report on your, on your impact, but you also give the flexibility for fund managers and investees to um, select their own customized indicators that are highly informative and can inform and highly valuable because they can and strategic because they can inform their decision making. So you already show that you're trying to find a balance between between these two and you allow for the flexibility to do so, which is which is very important for for an investor. Uh, how have new regulations like the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, better known as SFDR? affected these these impact reporting requirements and 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 yeah those of your fund managers and investees and and these these balance let's say so i mean we, we invest in funds that are not necessarily under the scope of the regulation so that's that is uh, yet another challenge for us if we want to aggregate across funds that are inside and outside of of uh, sfdr scope then um, it is even more complex to think of of aggregation. So w- what we've seen in the, in the ecosystem that we're analyzing is that those that fall under the scope of the regulation 
are of course taking that as a lighthouse, right? If you have to prioritize resources in, in impact um, measurement and management, then you will prioritize what you're legally obliged to, to report. So it's definitely having a strong uh, force and influence uh, across those that are under the, the scope of the of the regulation, which person, I mean, personal opinion um, is quite dangerous as well because it is a it is a regulation that is designed mostly thinking about about Europe, not necessarily thinking of impact funds in other geographies that might fall under the scope, and then we can move away from truly meaningful, deeper studies on, on impact measurement that focus on the beneficiary. But again, <laughs> it takes a lot of resources to, to do it all. So we see that prioritization when um, you have to comply with with, with SFDR. Um, ourselves, we, are, we want to, to be able to, to aggregate um, and comply with, with SFDR. Article 9, if possible, but at the same time, we want to be realistic and not to overburden the the investee funds in reporting um, the principal adverse indicators if they're not um, obliged to, to do that uh, already. Of course, we also think that in making the ecosystem more attractive to foreign private uh, capital investments, then maybe RTA could also play a big role or an important role in um, sort of SFDR readiness, <laughs> in a way across across the ecosystem. So once we have a clearer picture of our of our portfolio and what shape uh, it takes, and the SFDR readiness of 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 it all, we will decide a bit uh, on on these different points and, and variables that I've touched on. Thank you, Maria. And uh, as very last question, I'd like to conclude by asking you a final recommendation you would give to other fund managers that struggle finding a bit this balance between the comparability and, and relevance of, of impact metrics. Mm-hmm. A difficult one. <laughs> so I think if we look at this at the extremes in a way, um, comparing data that is not material or relevant makes no sense. However, incomparable but meaningful material data is still useful for individual decision making. So that's the in-between uh, or the, the struggles to find the, the in-between, right? I would say using industry standards for methodological guidelines in raw data collection, but also in calculations, I would say using intensive measures as much as possible, especially in climate uh, reporting, and we, we cannot strengthen this enough, but digitalization as well to play around with the raw data can also be helpful in generating comparisons that you could you could otherwise not uh, do so easily or, or so efficiently. But I think, um, yeah, we also, we always think as of materiality as, as a meaningful, very meaningful and powerful um, criteria to to have always in mind. Thank you so much, Maria, for taking the time to join us today. It's been a great conversation and I hope it was of interest for, for our audience. This has been the third episode of the AVPA podcast, Focus on Impact. Thank you for your attention and stay tuned for new discussions on other burning topics. 
Bye.